Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this will be a multi-part, and it'll be on about the role of CTA in the evaluation of trauma. And let me put this talk into perspective. I was asked to give grand rounds to our ER department, particularly the surgical compartment of the ER on where we stand with CT and CTA in particular. And so this talk is to them. Some of the beginning of the talk will be, uh, I'll go through relatively quickly, it'll be some of the facts I spoke to them about. Because remember, in the ER now, a lot of the articles that are being published in trauma journals talk about the issues with radiation, talk about the issues of exam selection. And the surgeons and the medical guys are feeling a little bit uncomfortable in that scenario. So I try to basically explain to them many of the things that all of us recognize. And let me I'll cover some of that, but I won't go into the detail I went through with them. Uh, making the point that you know, we look at that in radiology, we're taking scan slices or data, and we're making it into critical information for patient care. And in the ER setting, we see something, and something indeed happens. In our ER, we have a 64-slice scanner. We're going to a spiral in our new ER. And I mentioned, of course, that uh, the journey through CT... Um, very, very clear that the journey through time, uh, now we're in the era of volume rendering, we're in the era of volume data sets, and it's particularly important in the trauma setting for many of the applications, particularly as we go through CTA. I mentioned to them, of course, the advantages of the newer scanners, talking about the big three of spatial resolution, temporal resolution, and isotropic data sets, and put in perspective where we stand at the 0.4 millimeter level or less for spatial resolution, the 150 to 180 millisecond range for you know, the typical 64 slice and, of course, 75 to 83 seconds for dual source and the purpose of isotropic data sets. I discussed also how the newer scanners really benefit their patients with the very fast scan times. 64 slice chest abdomen in around 13 seconds where with a flash type acquisition on the newest scanners, we can make that about five or six times faster, taking a bit over two seconds. I spoke about many of the techniques we use on the faster scanners, the importance of timing and how things like uh, bolus tracking work very nicely for a lot of the vascular applications, whether it's chest or abdomen or the extremities. I also described how the fast scanners get a really homogeneous uh, flow of contrast at high levels here at the 500 level, which translates into very high quality studies. Now, I mentioned, of course, that the issue with CT that's been really addressed and uh, over-addressed in the literature, and I don't mean the uh, published literature, but in the lay press, headlines like this, FDA aims to rein in radiation-based medical studies, the Brenner article talking about how CT may have caused 1.5 to 2% of cancers based on extrapolated data. And I went through some of the points about how this data is projected data, extrapolated data from the Hiroshima experience, not trying to um, say the data is wrong as much as saying the issues with the data, the whole discussion about uh, linear uh, dose calculations, and of course, most importantly, that we are doing our best to lower the dose, whether it's the manufacturers, whether it's the techs, whether it's the radiologists, we're giving the patient the lowest dose possible, and the good news is those doses are coming down. And enough said with that. I then spoke about, since I'm speaking about CTA, that we're talking really about information and not so much slices. and. I made the point about you know axials versus MPRs versus 3D imaging, 
and how we do things in the ER or throughout the rest of the department. And some of the surgeons who deal in the trauma area are general surgeons who also do some trauma, but we do have a number of different surgeons who really focus only on trauma. They're all aware of the 3D since we've been doing it in the ER setting for years, but made the point with this example, which I've shown many of you on CTSS, looking at that little dot, asking what it is, and recognizing that if we went, instead of looking at that dot as an axial image, if we looked at that dot in 3D, we recognize it's the adrenal vein. So no problem uh, with that. And, or this case of acute chest pain, where you can see blood in the pericardium and you see the pseudoaneurysm in the axial imaging, but just how much nicer it is to see in the 3D map, showing you specifically where the pseudoaneurysm is relative to the uh, prior surgery, what the right coronary looks like, and where the pseudoaneurysm is in relationship to the right coronary and the dissection and the ascending aorta. Or this example where you're looking at a transplant kidney, question about vascularity, and of course, the 3D map nicely showing you the patient's renal artery, anastomosis to the common iliac, very nicely shown on the 3D mapping, uh, very nice visualizations, and just the amount of information you can generate from the uh, latest and greatest CT scanners nicely shown. Now, as we go to the trauma setting, Everything we know from other areas really holds true in trauma. This article, just a recent article by V, the use of multi-phase images affords more definite characterization of areas of contrast blush as to underlying etiologies of contained vascular injuries or active hemorrhage, uh, talking about how we can define arterial and venous sources of hemorrhage, the important information that's given from these data sets with CT. Now, in that article, and protocols were discussed, and here's our typical protocol, 100 to 120 mLs of Omni 350, depending on the length of scan we're doing, injecting 4 to 5 cc's a second, MAS 120 to 180, collimation, typically 0.6 collimators, reconstructed uh, 0.75 millimeter thick sections every 0.5, that gives us isotropic data sets. And, of course, the fact that we're going to look at images in multiple perspectives and making the point here that I'll come back to a bit later, the importance of bone editing for many of these applications. Now, I showed some examples of abdominal organ trauma where CTA works so nicely. I showed this case of hepatic laceration, patient's bleeding, but look what's nicely shown on the CTA, this uh, hepatic artery pseudoaneurysm. Very small pseudoaneurysm, under one centimeter, but look how nicely it's shown on the CT angiography. Here's one more set of images, and that eventually had to be embolized. We know that CT has changed the entire area of abdominal trauma to a more conservative approach in terms of management. We also know that the grading of trauma, whether it's liver or spleen or kidneys, is based on CT. And I mentioned that the most recent AAST grading system uh, which is based on surgical findings and is a key tool for predicting outcomes, has five categories arranged in order of increasing severity ac according to the depth of injury involvement of the vasculature collecting system, and it really sits nicely when you look at CT. So, for example, we talk about grade one to five injuries, and I won't go through this in detail, but you can see from minor injuries like contusion or small hematoma to lacerations, of different depth or just shattered kidney, 
And here's just a nice case of a, a type 3 renal laceration greater than 1 centimeter. There's no active extravasation per se, but you can see very nice injury uh, in that example. Again, CTA works very nicely. And again, looking at the different types of uh, processes that occur within this injury scale, most commonly grade one, we mentioned contusion or hematoma, conservative management, grade two, non-expanding perinephric hematoma confined to the retroperitoneum, or a superficial laceration on the resonometer without injury to the collecting system. Again, typically managed conservatively. Grade three begins on the borderline more than one centimeter in depth, but no collecting system injury. Again, typically managed conservatively. Grade four to five, that's a whole different scenario. Vascular injuries, uh, deeper lacerations, those commonly will end up going to surgery. And of course, grade five may end up in surgery, but at times the injuries are so severe, the patient ends up with a nephrectomy. And just for some numbers, Grade 1 injuries are the most common, 75 to 85%. And CT allows us to sort of this leave-alone uh, lesion. Grade 5 is a shattered kidney and means the kidneys in multiple fragments. Um, important thing about this injury I'll just mention is the patient may not have hematuria because there's often UPJ avulsion, and so there is no hematuria. Um, when you talk about the renal pedicle, the most common injury is renal artery occlusion, so CTA works very nicely in that regard couple articles, um, article by uh, Alonzo, increased use of CT has been partially responsible for a growing trend to a conservative management in renal trauma, except in cases in which extensive urinary extravasation or devitalized areas of renal parenchyma are found, and especially in those cases associated with other abdominal organ injuries. So again, everything you know we've kind of spoken about uh, in many different things above. And it's not really just in the kidney, of course. If I just pick a second example, what about chest trauma? Multiplanar and volumetric images provide improved visualization of injuries, increased understanding of trauma-related diseases, and enhanced communication between the radiologist and the referring physician. And one can never overestimate the importance of the last feature, enhanced communication. So let me talk a little bit about chest trauma, and let me focus on the thoracic aorta. It's usually an MVA, and it accounts for up to 15% of deaths from MVA. The patients who really have bad thoracic aortic injury, up to 90% die before they reach the ER. So most of the cases we see will be either negative or have less severe injuries. The real severe injuries, you're just not going to be scanning typically. And the typical injury is sort of that MVA crashing into a tree, into a wall, fast uh, Rapid deceleration results in intimal tear of the aorta, so those big-time injuries. So here's a good example. Patient, uh, status post MVA, rule aortic injuries. You look at the aorta here, there's a laceration. Or, or is there a laceration? And this is an important point. You see the linear line through the aorta? Now you can say that's a laceration. Now sometimes we know you see linear lines and it's just artifact, and often there are multiple lines. But what about this case? There is a line there. So let me look at it more carefully. The line is still there, though I do admit it looks like the line goes into the left atrium, and usually to me that makes it easy. But there it is in a coronal view. Often the coronals of 3Ds makes my life easier. It makes it clear it's not a dissection. Well, in this case, those coronals and 3Ds didn't help me. 
So what should I do? Well, the point is, if you're looking for thoracic aortic injury, you better do a gated acquisition. If you did a gated acquisition, the aortic root would look perfect. There would be no aortic injury. So when you're doing trauma and you're worrying about aortic root, you got to do gated acquisitions. This way, either there is an injury or there isn't. The other thing that works nice is with injuries, you get a good look at the coronaries, you get a good look at the sinus of Valsalva. Everything works better. So in this case, there's a dilated aortic root, there's LAD disease, but there's no evidence of aortic injury. Just a very nice example. The other thing, of course, is with chest trauma. You can see this case has some soft tissue anterior metastinum. If you look at the sternum, it looks irregular, but I will admit, unless you're looking at sagittal views, it's very easy to miss sternal fractures. Here's a nice fracture with a step off, and here's just a couple more images. So very important to look at the sagittal views at a minimum. Again, this study was not gated, which gives you that funny artifact off the ascending aorta. And here's the 3D. And again, you can see in this case, quite frankly, I think that the uh, sagittal view works best, which is typically the case. Another example of post-trauma. Look at this large hematoma in the anterior metastinum. And in this case, we can see the area of active bleeding. We see a number of cases like this with stab wounds. It can be from an MVA. But active extravasation, nicely shown, there's uh, blood in the pleural space as well. And when you start looking carefully at this, and these were with thicker sections, what really happened was you had trauma to the internal mammary artery, which was actively bleeding, and this was eventually embolized. Or this trauma case, a stab wound. You see air in the subcutaneous tissues, but look at that active bleed just beneath the skin. And it's nicely done axially, but when you do the 3D, look how much more information you get where you can see the actual site of bleeding and what needs to be embolized. It's a branch coming off the internal mammary artery. Just a very, very nice example of showing that. And I'll show it to you in a few other perspectives. This patient went for embolization. But this, the uh, interventional radiologist knew exactly what they needed to embolize. Makes it very easy. Another thing, sometimes it's hard to pick up rib fractures or at least count what rib is involved on the axial imaging. 3D works very nicely. You can see in this case the sliver of fracture off what is the third rib on the left. And I'll show you an interesting case, patient had a pneumothorax. That sliver of bone off the rib was avulsed, displaced medially, gave that patient that pneumothorax and just rotated the images around very nicely, showing you the fracture, the pneumothorax, the pulmonary contusion. Uh, here it is from inside, just a beautiful view. So again, uh, a quick look in 3D at the ribs, very active of picking up fractures, very easy to count which rib is involved and whether there is displacement. And here's just a few more images because I like that case uh, very much. And a good article we wrote, whether an injury be a stab wound, a gunshot wound, or from an MVA, a CT study that allows visualization of injury to bone, muscle, and vasculature seems to be an ideal way of limiting radiation dose by decreasing the number of studies performed. And so, again, a key thing we always mention about CT, done well, most cases you get rid of angio. You can exclude a lot of plain films. That's a low-dose study, a study that really takes advantage, single examination answering lots of questions. Now, in terms of CT angiography in the trauma setting, 
The number one area we see because of Baltimore's gunshot wounds and stab wounds is looking at extremity injuries with CT angiography. And why don't we do this? Let's take a break here. This is a good place to stop. And let's come back in a few minutes and talk about that. Okay, see you in a bit. Bye-bye.